Support for I Am Salt Lake comes from KRCL 90.9, amplifying community voices since 1979. This listener-supported music discovery station covers everything from reggae and punk rock to local grassroots activism. Listen today at 90.9 FM or online at krcl.org. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Energy Healing Conference, Five Wives Vodka, and the Salt Lake Barber Company. We're going to be telling you more about them throughout this episode. All right. What is up, Salt Lake City? Pride Parade was earlier today. That was a lot of fun. Oh, it was such a great parade. I always love it. It's one of my favorite parades. Well, probably my favorite parade here in Salt Lake City. Such a good time. Anyway, let's welcome everybody out today to episode 384 of I Am Salt Lake podcast. My name's Chris Hollifield. And my name's Chrissy Hollifield. And if you're new to this show, you might be wondering what it's all about. Well, this podcast is about us showcasing the awesome people here in Salt Lake City, Utah. We get to talk to musicians, authors, business owners, restaurant owners. You get the idea. Really, anyone that has a cool story to share. And we're recording today right in beautiful downtown Salt Lake City in our podcast studio. It's located in the back of Empire Merchandise. Empire Merchandise is located at 680 South State Street. And not only does Empire have an amazing selection of vape juice and vape accessories, but this is where you can actually come in and purchase your very own I Am Salt Lake podcast t-shirt. So come on in, check Empire out, and pick up a t-shirt while you're here. Who's on the podcast today, Chrissy? Today on the podcast, we actually got to sit down and chat with local Salt Lake City artist, Kara Jean Means. We got to find out her story, her art, and of course, all about the projects that she's been doing and is planning on doing. Hey, before we get into that conversation with Kara Jean, I want to give love to one of our awesome sponsors, Energy Healing Conference. Tammy Anderson Ward from Hope Haven Events has produced dozens of life-changing conferences, retreats, and events since 2014, helping to bring clarity to thousands about energy healing. We're excited to tell you about this event that she's doing, the Energy Healing Conference, and it is coming to downtown Salt Lake City on June 21st and June 22nd to the Salt Palace Convention Center. It is 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. on both days, and there will be dozens of nationally acclaimed speakers who are experts in the field of energy medicine, nutrition, acupuncture, fermentation, qigong, over 200 alternative health vendors with unique products and services. Some of the keynote speakers include Carol Tuttle, Tammy Anderson Ward, Tam Pendleton, and Benjamin King. What you're going to want to do, guys, head on over to energyhealingconference.com. This is why where you can find more information about this conference. I am Salt Lake Podcast listeners. Use the promo code IMSLC, all one word, IAMSLC. This is going to give you $10 off your general admission ticket. One thing that you need to know, though, is the earlier that you register, the better the price since tickets go up as it gets closer. Again, the website, energyhealingconference.com. Head on over there. Find out more about this awesome conference that's coming to downtown Salt Lake City on June 21st and June 22nd to the Salt Palace. And many thanks to the Energy Healing Conference for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Let's jump into that conversation with Kara Jean when she joined us in our podcast studio to share her story. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy. So you're not from Utah? 
No. Where where were you born and raised in? Well, I was born in southern Indiana, but it's like right over the river from Kentucky. So the Ohio River separates Indiana and Kentucky. So I was born in southern Indiana, stayed there for seven years, moved to Frankfort, Kentucky, which is the capital city. Louisville is not the capital city. Most people think it is. It's, then, it's the biggest city, though, in, in yeah, Kentucky. Yeah, either though, Louisville or Lexington. And that's where all the horses happen, right? Oh, okay. Frankfurt's somewhere in the middle, and uh, that's the capital city. And I spent the second half of my childhood in Frankfurt, Kentucky. So it's easier for me to just say I'm from Kentucky. So what brought you to Utah then? Why why'd you come um, out here? I, what brought you to this state, yeah. right? <laughs> well, I did what my siblings were doing and went to BYU and uh, went there for long enough to get uh, a husband and academic probation. So <laughs> that sounds like a good story. Yeah. <laughs> um, got married really young and mm-hmm. uh, we have lived in and out of Utah. We've been married almost 18 years. So you've left the state, come back. Yeah. Something pulls you back always. Yeah. Well, we were both raised LDS and we left LDS church about six years ago. You know, it was interesting being raised in Kentucky as a Mormon because I was like, the only Mormon in my high school. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I grew up in a non-Mormon environment and then lived in Utah for a while. And then we moved to Houston for three years, right around the same time we left the church. We just kind of wanted some autonomy, wanted to go have an adventure. So I went to school for fine art in Houston after after being a stay-at-home mom for nine years, I was like, I got to do something. Do something, get oh, out yeah. of the house, yeah, and yeah. do something for me. Yeah, I mean, I was really glad to be home for nine years. But uh, after a while, I was like, I really have things I want to do. I have other mm-hmm. more things I want to do. Um, so I was really happy to go to school and get a degree in fine art. And then after a while, we're like, you know what? There's a lot of really good things about Utah. Like, uh, you know, when you have four kids, you really do need – a community help you raise your kids. That's one thing we did not have. Well, we did have some in Houston, but um, it was so far away. So you, so you have family away. here though in Utah, right? All of our family. So both Parents, sides. siblings, yeah. everything. Yeah. And so it's it was like Houston is a two and a half day, three day drive. Mm-hmm. And and to fly everyone is three to $4,000. So we just thought, yeah. We don't want to be this far away from everybody we know for yeah. forever. So before we get too rooted in, let's go ahead and go back. And we actually tried to go to Las Vegas first because we had gotten so accustomed to the warm climate. And of course, being from Kentucky, I actually really like humid. Well, Vegas isn't humid, but I do like warm climates. And um, so we tried Going to Las Vegas, and we were only there for nine months. You just couldn't. And we were like, uh, just, yeah, it's what just, was it? What was it about Vegas that you didn't? I'm curious, um, just because I've always been wondering. I'm like, can I? Can I handle Vegas? If I don't I was think I could. I think it was the lack of money placed in culture and community, okay, and education. Just all gambling there, really. Well, all the Casinos. money leaves. All the money goes out of Vegas to like other countries. I mean, the the money that is made in Vegas does not at all stay in Vegas. And so I felt like there was not a very um, inviting subculture of music and art. There is some and they are trying. So anyone here, anyone listening to the podcast from Vegas, <laughs> I'm sorry to disparage you. I just personally couldn't get in. Like I just, I tried, I painted a large mural. I um, went to several 
shows, like had some work in shows and still it just felt like it wasn't there. The community um, here yeah. in Salt Lake is amazing when it comes yeah. to art and music well, and local business. Yeah, and I will say yeah. I, I came here and within three months got invited to the open studio night at Poor York Studios. Very cool. And I went and I stayed for like an hour and a half just talking and everyone was so nice and wanted to know, what's your name? and What do you do? And just made friends right away in the art world. And so- it was a good choice to leave Vegas. And- so have you always been painting and drawing? Have you always kind of had that artistic no. creative side? Well, not painting. I When I was in high school, I did a lot of creative writing. Okay. I liked art, but I wasn't any good at it. And I would admire my friends who were good at art, uh, but I was writing instead. I actually worked at a little bookstore on the main street in Frankfurt that has like a it was Broadway and it had a train track right down the middle of it. And it was this old building with a bookstore with like the ladders on a rail that you like oh, push. That's so cool. Like the old school library. Yeah. And then upstairs was a room with all wood flooring that let, had a huge window and you could sit and watch the train go by. And oh my gosh. it was just an independent bookstore and it was called Poor Richard's Books. And the owner was a... Uh, well, her name was Elizabeth Taylor, but she went by Liz Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a tricky and name. And her husband is, well, I, I don't know if they're married. I don't think they're married anymore, but Richard Taylor. And so he was the poet laureate of Kentucky for a while. And the book uh, the bookstore was called Poor Richard's Books. Wasn't that, that was like a ben, Benjamin Franklin thing though, wasn't it? Poor, poor Pro- Richard's Almanac or something probably. like that. Either, yeah. Oh. yeah, but it is still Poor Richard's Books, even though it's Liz yeah. who owns it. But I worked there in high school and really enjoyed the creative writing scene and so, I had a couple chat books that I would sell on the counter for $4. Did oh, you think cool. that you were going to be a writer then? Was that kind of your goal or your direction or? I think I fancied myself that I could be a really famous writer. Everybody does in high are, school. Are you, right? still, are you still writing at no, all then? No, not at all. Why not? I don't, I don't know. I don't even like it anymore. Really? really? Yeah. Not even like short stories. <laughs> what was your favorite yeah. thing to write then? Like short stories? Poetry. poetry. Yeah. And you don't I, like it at all. I even had poems in the New Era Church Magazine. You know the New Era? Yeah. For oh, yeah. Teenagers? I still get it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I, had, I had poems in that magazine. Oh, that's awesome. Is it is yeah. it tough to get poems? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Okay, I was going to say, I, I don't know if it's, but you did. I did, yeah. And um, So when did it, okay, well, when did it get into art then? When did art come into the picture for you? I've always been visually oriented. I like to make crafts and paint my walls in my house and sew things and um, landscape and, and things. I think the first time I made something that I was like, wow, this is pretty good was um, I went back to Indiana to take care of my grandma. Her uh, her appendix ruptured, and she was like mm. 78. And she just was like totally fine. Wow. <laughs> you know, that can kill a 17-year-old boy. And she was like, ah, I just felt a pinch in my side. You know? <laughs> I've never I've never heard anyone describe it that simply. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, that's how she was. and But she did have surgery, and I went back to help take care of her for a few days. And I started making a like paper collage with oil pastels and uh, piecing it together and doing it. Cause I, I had like eight days there with not much to do and it turned out really nice. And I actually years later, I'd say three or four years later, I sold it to Salt Lake community college. 
Oh, wow. And it's actually, there's a culinary school down, oh, where is that? In, I want to say like, it's not the Taylorsville campus. There's a campus close to I-15 around Sandy. Hmm. Right off a of 90th there kind of? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And there's a culinary school there. Okay. And that little collage is on the wall down there. So anybody listening can go check it out. Yeah. So what is your favorite art medium then to do now? Paint. Okay. I, I actually just spent four days in Chicago. I took myself on a alone vacation. It's the first time I've ever done that. It was great. Just went by myself. For, for what reason? Just to get away. <laughs> and were you painting at all with no. that? No. You just, and this you just was, needed a break. Just you, to have a break. Yeah. 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 I get yeah. it. So, so I went to Chicago and I spent five hours at the Art Institute. Just oh, alone walking so around. Cool. It was really nice just to have no one ready to go before me, you know, like just be able to just take my time. And and I looked at other art for a while, and then I was like, I got to get to the paintings. And then when I get to the paintings, I am just like, I'm the kind of person that stands too close, you know. and the Like you really look at the, the yeah, brush strokes yeah, and the method and, and, and I, everything. So there are paintings that you can see them in a photograph, but... Until you see them in person, you just really don't get a feel for them. It's just something really awesome about seeing a painting in person. Do you um do you do oil or acrylic or what kind of painting medium do you prefer? I actually never learned oil. I only learned acrylic because at the University of Houston, they said they were trying to steer away from oil because it's somewhat toxic. Really? Yeah. I mean, I guess wow. the pig- some of the pigments can really harm you. And then the oil itself is... It's oil. And then you have to use paint thinner all day long, yeah, too. It's, yeah. yeah, it's a little bit messier. So I learned, well, we should backtrack a little bit, that after I made that little collage, I started thinking, you know, I am like, I kind of felt like I had a moment where I learned how to do it better, how to spend more time on something to make it better. And then I said, I want to go to school for this. And I toyed around with the idea for a long time thinking, oh, it's not practical, you know. Yeah, that's especially when you already have kids and you're yeah. established. And then to go to school in general is hard. To go to school for something because you just love it, right, is like even harder. Well, and when my I have my youngest two kids are twins, and they were only two. Oh wow! But I was like, I really want to do this. I just need to. I figured by the time I'm done with school, they'll be in kindergarten, and then I can just work, and they'll all be at school all day. So yeah. You know. Do you but, think it um, helped you to go to school for art? Do you, th- do you think it helped you actually learn to create better? Yes. Yeah. I Because I went to, to school in Houston, I feel like Houston is a huge melting pot of cultures because it's like the third largest city in, in the United States. And uh, there's just so many different cultures there. And so I think that I got a pretty liberal education and learned how to use art to express ideas and really think about think about what you're trying to say with the art rather than just making a pretty picture. And so I I really got to spend a lot of time having conversation about why we create and your intention behind what you're creating. I minored in creative work. Oh. So it was a lot of like philosophy around creating and why we create. You made a you made a comment about communicating like a message through art. What do you have like a message you're trying to communicate through your art? I find myself, well, after I left school, I was kind of like, what do I do with myself now? I don't have anyone telling me what to make. Yeah. And I actually really like that and for that reason I like public art because there's a 
there's an assignment involved mm-hmm. in the art making or a space that helps inform you about what you're going to make. But uh, and in school, they'll say, I want you to paint four paintings that contain the human figure. And I want one theme to be human, f- human form and food or human form and myth, human form and death. And you got to just decide what to do with that with those two parameters. Yeah, that, and, that's a lot easier than just having a blank slate. Yeah, yeah. And being like, well, out of like the gajillion things that exist, yeah. I have to pick one. Right. Or think of something to do. That, well, that's the hardest part of art for me. Well, and I found it uh, challenging, you know, to have mm-hmm. to, to find a way to fit that in, those yeah. two things, but still make something that you wanted to make, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so then when I left school, I was like, oh, what do I do? You know? Yeah. So I started thinking about just things that were on my mind and things in my life and decided to paint my series on mental health. And it was very much based on like my experiences with the passing of my father and then my grandmother months later and how I started experiencing physical anxiety. And uh, so I decided to make a whole project of it. So I interviewed strangers and people I know and created these 10 paintings and um those kind of feel like old news now to me because that was over a year ago. They were shown at Art Access and at Solid Community College at the uh, at State Street and Seventeenth South. What's that one called? Oh, the the South uh, South Campus. So, yeah, I guess yeah. it's just called South Campus. It's the Eccles Gallery. They yeah, sh- they showed there as well. But so I am like, I like the ideas of having a theme or um, an assignment or a concept yeah. and then making creating around that. And so I'm open to the idea of making sculpture or video or things that would help execute that idea best, but it usually ends up being paintings because it's cheaper and I can do it in a bedroom in my house while my kids are home, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't want to be like buying a whole workshop of tools and wood cutting ma- tools and welding and all that. And I then mean, have to figure out how to do it Yeah, well, around life. I do know how to weld. I don't like it. It's very, it's just scary. Where did you learn how to weld? In school. All the, you know, it's funny. All these people that we bring through the show seem like they know how to weld. <laughs> I need to Which learn. Which is awesome. Need, um, me too. I don't even know yeah, what you're I Yeah, you're not, a, you're nobody if you don't know how to weld. <laughs> <laughs> I seem like a welder, right? That's now. the official cool kids club. Well, um, when I was looking for work, like I wanted a 20, 30 hour work week, I almost applied for like a welder's job. No kidding. I was like, maybe I could do that. But I learned in Houston and it is hot and mm-hmm. you're outside and you're covered in all this equipment. And I was just like sweating, like my eyelids were sweating. And then the soot would all stick to everything. And I would just be so dirty and gross. Oh, yeah, that would be hard. Yeah. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Five Wives Vodka. Not only is Five Wives Vodka delicious, but they are local and they are very, very delicious. Hey, the next time you head on over to the state liquor store, pick up a bottle of Five Wives Vodka. The next time you head on over to your favorite local bar, ask the bartender for Five Wives Vodka by name because every time you take a shot of Five Wives Vodka, you are supporting this podcast. Hey, they have three different flavors that Chrissy and I are going to tell you about. They have the original flavor. This is the original Five Wives Vodka. This is the one made from Utah Mountain Spring Water. 
It's 100% distilled corn spirit and it's gluten-free. The spring is hidden in beautiful Ogden Canyon. It's inaccessible by vehicle, so they're having to hike this water out five gallons at a time. And for those of you who like a little more spice in your drink, you need to check out Five Wives Sinful. Sinful is a delicious cinnamon-flavored vodka. It's not like other cinnamon products that leave a cinnamon candy taste in your mouth. Sinful is like a morning cinnamon roll, and it only has 76 calories per ounce. And there is also the Five Wives Heavenly. This is a flavored vodka with a delicious vanilla taste. Heavenly's rich, buttery vanilla flavor comes through without coating your taste buds with sugar, and this results in more vanilla and less calories. Head on over to their website, fivewivesvodka.com. Find out more about this awesome local distillery. There's recipes up there, all the ways to connect with them. But like I said, just pick up a couple bottles next time you head over to the state liquor store. And many thanks to Five Wives Vodka for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. So when you're creating art, do you is it easy for you to show it to the public or do you ever feel finished with your art? Like I know how it is even like, let's say a podcast, right? You, you get to a point where you're like, I just got to get it out. It's never good enough to you, right? Like, and I didn't know if you struggle with that as an artist at all. Um, I do. I'm very motivated to finish what I start. Um, but is it hard for you to say it is finished? I think I finish it. And then a few months later, I go look at it and be like, oh, I don't know. I <laughs> do you ever go back and touch it up like months later? Um, I have. Yeah. But. I, I think, you know, what I struggle with is feeling like I get ideas and I execute them, but I'm not 100% sure what purpose they serve once they have their own life and they go do what they want, these ideas and paintings. So with the mental health series, I often worry that like I presented imagery that gets you thinking, but didn't necessarily propose a solution. And so there's a part of me that feels like, is it my obligation to propose a solution along with the paintings? But I'm like, I don't. That's a huge. I don't think so. That's not what I'm qualified to do. What I'm qualified to do is create imagery for others to experience and and hopefully cause conversation and hopefully cause interaction. Yeah. If you can inspire people to, through your method, to start communicating and, and work on solutions together, that seems like it's even more of a powerful thing to do than propose one solution from one person that, yeah. you know, without the kind of the diverse talks. Yeah. I never thought about it that way, but that helps me feel better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know, I like the way you're doing it. You know, to be able to say, I guess that's not my job, but it's still, I think because I have passion about it, I do kind of want to think of, well, is there something I can do to help make this better even after painting the paintings? And, and that was a concern for me with the mental health series that, if people looked at the paintings that they'd know where to go for help if they needed it. So I tried really hard to make sure there was resources available at the shows. That's really cool. Can people like that are listening, can they see these mental health uh, series paintings anywhere or are, are they online or in person here in Salt Lake or? Um, they are online at my website, which is karajeanmeans.com. Okay. The the thing I've tried to do with that that I wanted to do all along was make it be accessible to anyone who needs it rather than it just be in gallery spaces um, that it can be like like a workshop that could travel. Um, I have a set of uh, postcard prints that have descriptions and questions on the back and they're a good oh, okay. size. So they're visual and they're tactile and um, I'm hoping to get people to use those 
at treatment facilities or um, schools or anywhere where people need to have uh, an opportunity to engage with art and mental health. and Yeah, which so. tend to go hand in hand half the time. So yeah. <laughs> it's like a really good, yeah. really good blend. Do you have like a, a future project that you're planning on doing that do you already know kind of what your next move is or theme? I do. Oh yeah. Do you get to talk about that? <laughs> so glad you asked. Um, yeah, I, uh, I've been thinking about this for a long time and I want to like describe it without giving too much detail because someone could steal my idea, but having been raised LDS and then not being LDS, I've been able to interact with two very different communities of people. And when you're not in Utah, it's not that big of a deal, you know, uh, but in Utah, it's very charged, you know, mm-hmm. very, um, you have two very different cultures of people all trying to get along in the same place and do the same activities and everything. And, and I feel like because I seem to be a pretty empathetic person and also a pretty compassionate person, and I've experienced what it's like to be have a moral compass directed by this side and now a moral compass directed by this side. I under, I feel like I understand both sides pretty well. And what I find, like the more I think about it, the more I feel like at the core, we all want the same things. We just really disagree about how to go about getting those things. And so, you know, we all want to feel safe. We all want to feel loved. We all want to feel um, like we're having our basic needs met, like mm-hmm. Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, being met. We all want community. That that those core things are the same, no matter what religion you are, no matter what sexual orientation, no matter what culture you were raised in, or or anything. If you really strip it down, we kind of all just want the same things. But in conversation. Uh, especially as of in the past maybe five years or, or more, ten, five to ten years, uh, we get so like hung up on convincing someone else to believe and think what we believe and think mm-hmm. rather than being able to say what works for that person might not work for me. And then together we have to decide as a whole how to make the whole community safe and comfortable and happy. And that's very hard to do. I've never thought about it like that. That's interesting. Yeah. It's kind of sad because it's like we naturally all just want to be loved and be included, but we're like, for some reason, we're putting up barriers and we're putting putting up rules and, you know, walls in between other people that don't need to be there. Well, and one of my goals when I did leave the LDS church was to not just jump right in a different fi- frying pan, you know, mm-hmm. to be able to take the things that I didn't think I was doing well when I was active LDS and be better, you know, be more open-minded about different philosophies and ways of interpreting meaning and, and not say, this is it. This is the one true thing. And I, and that's it. And not just take that one true thing and replace it with a different one true thing. So I, I really tried hard not to not to just get as stuck in the mud with a different type of philosophies. Mm-hmm. So I've tried really hard to do that. It, it's really hard. I mean, I find myself digging in somewhere else. Well, because when you're, when you're raised to 
have the mindset that one thing has to be right. I think it's really difficult when you you when you realize that one thing isn't for you, but you we naturally have the tendency to be like, okay, I'll go find the other one thing. And yeah. it's it's really hard to kind of break that down. And 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 like the more people I talk to and the more experiences I have and I realize it there's not just one thing. Like there's so many there's so many good things that can all be made together and but I uh I think that we have a tendency to stop listening. It's it's really hard when you feel threatened and it's really hard when you feel like things are being said that rub you the wrong way. You immediately this like visceral reaction of of turning off your ears and and trying to think of the next thing to say or or what. And I'm a talker. I really like talking. So I have a hard time even letting people finish their sentences before I go to say what I'm going to say, you know. So I want to create some paintings that are people interacting in a kind of a barbaric way where they're not listening and they're not communicating and they're just shouting. And uh, it'll involve real people again. I, I, I really don't want to use just models. I want to use real people and talk to them about what would you like to look like in your painting? And what, what, what is this experience like for you? And hopefully put um, people of very opposing life situations together in these paintings. And then I'd like there to be a, a live element in front of an audience where people are interacting with one another in front of an audience. When they come and see your art? Uh, or even the, the people in the paintings? The participants. Okay. Yeah, the participants huh. yeah. and the audience becomes a participant as well. Interesting, um, yeah. So kind of a mix of portrait painting and performance art. Is that a challenge for you to find people who are willing to open up with you and let you paint them and tell their story? It seems like, especially going forward with this, uh, and you're going to be talking to people of different um, viewpoints and everything, do, do you think that'll be kind of a struggle to get them to be willing to open up and be vulnerable? I do. When I did the mental health series, my one of my goals was to not, I didn't want my participants to feel exploited. Right. And so I told them from the beginning, this is what I want to do. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with it being your likeness and your story? And that I get some creative control over it because I, I have to make a cohesive series. And I had them sign a release. And I had one participant who I actually paid him to come and model and I took his photos and interviewed him several times and we had the whole like painting arranged of what the painting was going to be and when it came down to signing the contract um he got cold feet and was just like I am afraid of my image being on this and that it might come back and affect me professionally really yeah, yeah I can understand that there's still a pretty pretty bad stigma around really any like any kind of being different, especially in the professional world. I think yeah. we're still trying to break that down. And, and, and I think that the newer generation of, of workers are more open to it, but the, you know, any professional industry still will really yeah. take a deep look and evaluate people and judge them. Right. So it's really hard to be vocal about things that might not be perceived as positive. Well, and he was a lawyer. Oh, oh, well, that's, yeah, there you go. <laughs> and he, he looked over the contract and lawyered all over it. He also just really didn't want to damage him, his, his reputation. So yeah, I feel like this project is 
possibly more volatile. I would, yeah, That's I think gonna definitely be. it's, it's going to be, be volatile. Um, and I, I, I don't want to exploit people, and I don't want to set up stereotypes, and I don't want people to feel like I'm being, what's the word? Like you're not pushing buttons. Uh, I don't want to objectify people. I don't, you right. know, but but there does have to be enough visual cues in the painting for the viewer to get what I'm saying. I'm not just putting two random people together. Sure. That I'm putting people together that historically and currently aren't getting along so well. So I I think that it will be hard to find participants who are okay with being really uncomfortable and knowing that that live aspect of where they're going to be in front of a crowd of people and it could be uncomfortable. Um, yeah. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by the Salt Lake Barber Company. Full disclosure, this is where I go to get my hair cut and my beard tidied up. Isaac over there does an awesome job, so check him out if you want an awesome barber. Their address is 10 East, 800 South. It's right on the corner of 8th and Main there, right in downtown Salt Lake City. They offer haircuts, beard trims, straight razor shaves. They are a true community barbershop, guys. They focus on providing the best work environment possible and allowing barbers to always provide the highest quality experience while in the chair. And if you have been there in the past and you haven't been there recently, They've actually expanded, so go check it out. They've done an awesome job there. So what you want to do, they do take walk-ins if they're available, but this is what I do. I just hop on my laptop and type in saltlakebarbercode.com. I schedule an appointment that's convenient for me. I tell the services that I want. Maybe I just want a haircut. Select the barber. I'm good to go. Again, they offer haircuts, beard trim, straight razor shaves, their website is saltlakebarberco.com. Go visit it. Go check it out. And many thanks to the Salt Lake Barber Company for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Do you think it's harder to be an artist in Utah versus other states? I don't know. I've never been an artist in another state. Very. <laughs> I was just well. You were kind of based off of what you were talking about. I'm just wondering, like. As an artist in Utah, if people are afraid to push the boundaries a little bit because we're, yeah. we're a little bit more of a conservative state. And artists tend to be a little more liberal mm -hmm. and kind of put themselves out there and push the boundaries and limits. So I was wondering yeah. if Utah kind of held people back at all. I would say with the li very limited experience I've had being an artist in Houston just for a minute and then being an artist in Las Vegas for even short half a minute, mm -hmm. um, I will say in Utah, I I do feel like there is, well, we're growing well, and course, we're yeah, getting yeah. there. Yeah, well, of course. We're, yeah, we're yeah, starting yeah. to bring in bigger named artists. We're starting to be a little more in international. But I don't think that people spend as much money toward art as they do dance and theater. I think dance and theater gets, um, and there's so many talented singers, dancers, and artists in Utah. Um, but I feel like music, music and dance gets more attention than visual art. And then I do think we suffer a little bit from being too nice. Mm -hmm. um, I, Not like critiquing people's work? Yes. And yeah. I, I started a group. I didn't start the group. I started going to a critiquing group just with some art friends. And they said, you know, that there's not much pushback when, when people write critiques of, you know, go to a show and write a critique on it. There's, there's not much negative feedback. It's all just positive. Oh, it's great. Oh, it's great. And so we don't get that 
we don't, I, I think we don't get the criticism we need to get better yeah. and to be more, to be more intentional with the art we're creating and to like, I don't know. It's like do you're not being better. challenged and you, <laughs> yeah. you kind of, you need someone to challenge you in a, in a positive, like critiquing is critiquing, but most people take it as criticizing. Yeah. So it's kind of like this weird balance you have to strike, especially when it's something you've created and you're personally attached to it. And yeah. other people are probably afraid to say anything negative, thinking that it will just hurt your feelings. I think that might be more of a generational thing, though, versus so? a location thing, though, don't, don't you? Or did Maybe. you see more people critiquing better? <laughs> Would that be the thing, like in Houston? I don't know. I just find that like people are so afraid to say their real feelings. I think there is kind of in the, in the, in the state because of the like heavy religious culture mixed with the heavy, I am not religious culture, Mm -hmm. that clashing kind of just one side really wanting to avoid contention. Mm. Yeah. Um, and the other side wanting to cause contention almost. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to make so many people mad. No, you're not going to, you're not going to, no, 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 no. I think, I think think you've hit the nail on the head and it's not necessarily a bad thing or a good thing. It's just, it's what the state is. Right. And it's kind of something we're trying to figure out here is like, how can the counterculture fit in with the regular culture here? Well, and I, and I will say, I don't have a large breadth of experience. I'm a stay at home mom. Well, I do work too, but I mean, I don't interact with people much far out of my arm's reach, you know, like I, I'm interacting with other moms and other ladies. And so there might be that the younger generations, people a little younger than me are starting to be better at constructive criticism and about contention can be a tool. Uh, And so there definitely could be cultures out there that I just don't interact with that are okay with it. But I will say it's, I, I don't feel like as as far as you asked the question was is art uh, is it harder to be an artist? Well, yeah, yeah, it's harder. harder to be an artist in Utah because, like, even I know myself. Sometimes I'm always like, "Well, I don't want to offend anybody. You feel like okay. I don't yeah. want to safe. I don't want to, you know, piss anybody off. I don't want to, you know." I would say that what makes it feel harder is some that I'm not getting constructive criticism, so I am just making art. In my own little echo chamber. Yeah. And I need that. And you need, yeah. And the other thing that makes it hard to be an artist in Utah is just the art is not valued the same as other forms of recreation. People, yeah, Mm -hmm. people don't spend money on art. And it's like if something costs more than $20, they're like, oh my gosh. Well, anything more than about 300 (laughs) people are like, no. What can we do to change that mentality? Any idea? I think there is a lot being done currently to help change that mentality. A lot of what the cities are doing with the mural fests and things like that are getting people outside interacting with art as a recreation. I think that's great. And then the, the, they did the dreamscapes thing. Yeah. That was so much recently that, you know, that's getting people out, making a choice to spend money Mm -hmm. to entertain themselves by engaging with art. You didn't have anything to do with that. Did you? I didn't. Okay. What else is out there? I mean, there's a lot, but I, I think more of that. And I think we need people who are philanthropic and uh, giving p- people who give money toward toward the arts need to think about visual art as much as they do dance and theater. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like Houston, Houston, there's a lot of money in Houston. That's the oil and gas mecca of the United States, you know, and so and there's a lot of money there. And so there's a lot of really 
So people can spend art. it a little more freely, maybe. Yeah, on maybe. Art. Yeah. I, well, and there's a lot of art experiences. There's a huge fine art museum. I do wish we had a bigger fine art museum here. I feel like, you know, having gone to Chicago for four days and. I think we could pull it off here. Like, yeah, I, I do too. I think we could too. I, I, we well, have some amazing art here. It's just kind yeah. of hard to find. Like you have to really look for it, but it's there. Yeah. I, I think we could definitely support it, especially with the airport getting bigger and. And our size, we just are like exponentially growing. I think we definitely need a, a bigger fine art museum. What would you tell somebody who say they're listening right now and they, they, they're they like, I want to get into art. I just have no good. Where do I begin? Do you have any like tips or suggestions for beginner artists? I think for, for me, at least to get better at art, I needed to, I needed to engage with people, other artists and people to tell me what I was doing wrong because before I went to school for painting, I was still using black paint to get dark spots in my painting to get shadows. And that's just totally wrong. That's a big no, no. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't have color theory. I didn't have, I didn't have a good grasp of, of anatomy, um, perspective. And then also this, the idea of thinking through what you're going to create before you start. And, and so, so going to school or, Maybe not, you you might not have to go to like a real school. I'm like, go enroll in a university, but workshops, there's a lot of artists who teach workshops. Um, there's a lot of small community art schools. You just can't sit there and assume you're going to get better by repetition. You will, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to get a little better, but what if you're doing something slightly wrong and you're just repeating that wrong thing over and over? Um, but just going and watching what other people make watching how they make it. Um, like allow yeah. yourself to be inspired by other yeah. people. I also copycatted where you just take a painting that you like and try to copy it because that teaches you a lot of what not to do. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned uh, doing art like wrong critiquing. I mean, do you really think there is a wrong way to do art though, or to paint because everybody has a different interpretation. Everybody has a different style. Everybody expresses himself differently. Like I've seen some paintings that are just, they just look like a mess to me, but to <laughs> the person that painted it, they had a, there's a theme there. There's something there. Uh, so I can't go up to him and say, you painted that wrong. I think it's wrong if you're not happy with it when you're done. True. True. Um, as the, as the artist. Where you're like, oh, it's just not. Maybe it's not wrong. Mm -hmm. It's more to achieve the effect that you yes. were planning on achieving. There might be a better yeah. way yes. to get yeah. there. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. If you're not getting the desired effect then you're doing something wrong. Sometimes you can have happy accidents, right? Mm -hmm. But for happy me, you know, <laughs> for me it was, uh, no, this doesn't look the way I want it to look and yeah. everything. There's a, a few Salt Lake City related questions okay. we like to ask on the show. I'm sure you've heard us ask this if, if you've listened to a I podcast did. episode or two. But uh, if somebody was visiting Salt Lake City this upcoming weekend, right? What would you say? Go check this place out. Go do this. Go experience this. And I know it's hard depending on the time of the year and, and whatnot, but uh, I don't know if you have a suggestion. I, I really like the Contemporary Art Museum here. Um, I've seen some really cool stuff there. And do you, where is that located? It do, is do you know by Bravanel Hall. Okay, just for, it's like a rough... Uh, West Temple and... Is it West Temple and North Temple? In that corner? Anyway. Maybe. Yeah. We'll Google it. Yeah, <laughs> I say, you know, people listening that might uh, might be visiting themselves okay. or, you know, so they would know where to find it's it. It's close to City Creek Center next to Bravanel Hall. 
kind of that general West area. Temple. Yeah, that's good enough. Yeah, good. It's a good museum, and it's small but not too small and not too big to get overwhelmed because sometimes a museum can get overwhelming, too much to see. And then I really like—is it called Memorial Grove? Uh, mem- Memory Grove. Memory Grove. Yeah, up by the Capitol. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really like that part. Yeah. Nice little, like kind of tucked away there, yeah. the little creek going through it. Yeah. Oh, it's a yeah. great place to just go and walk around and take pictures. Yeah. yeah. It's beautiful. Do you have one or two uh, favorite local eating spots? I really like Even Stevens. Yeah. Yeah. I like their chicken and oat berry salad and they sell city cakes. The they, pookie pies. Oh, yeah. City cakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A pookie pie is vegan, which I- Are you I, vegan? I'm not vegan, but I- appreciate a vegan diet. Like I, I'm like, I think it's a good idea to try to try to eat animal products more sparingly, eat more vegetables. Eat a little healthier. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think it's really clever if they can make a cookie, a vegan cookie that tastes that good. And the city cakes makes this pookie, it's called a pookie pie. It's basically like a giant uh, homemade Oreo cookie and it's made out of beet sugar. Oh, wow. And it's really good. And to have a salad and a pookie pie and a coffee. <laughs> You're just like, so I'm in good. heaven. Yeah, I really like that. Would you change anything about Salt Lake or Utah if you could? I would say I feel like the cost of living is ridiculous, especially for lower income people. And I really don't like how, I mean, I feel like most cities probably do this where low income gets pushed, pushed, pushed further out. And the areas that like, you know, gentrification, which gentrification is a good thing because we have to maintain our properties. We can't just let everything fall apart. So we do have to have Mm -hmm. people with money come in and fix things up. But I really wish we were intentionally placing low income communities right next door to high income communities and creating a more like sister sisterhood among communities, because I feel like it just creates so much of a divide and then we don't interact with each other. We only interact in our little bubbles. Yeah, it's like, Ooh, I don't want to go to that neighborhood. It's scary. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we, we always have fear of the other fear of the other person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know. I like that. I like that response. What's interesting is five years ago, well, maybe even longer than five years ago, there was a time when the cost of living in here was, was good. It was, it was super affordable and affordable. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy that well, now people are saying <laughs> we left Utah in 2014. And when we came back in 2017, we were like, big difference. What happened? Yeah. yeah. Well, every day it, it almost, like doubled. It's, it's getting more and more yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. And to find a cheap place to rent an apartment downtown. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah, you need like five jobs to to pay for it. But uh, now, how can listeners of this show find more of your work, like a website, social media? How can people connect with you, Kara? Well, if you can remember, just Kara Jean Means, and that's C C uh, Kara with a C, as in cat. Uh, Kara Jean Means dot com. Kara Jean Means on Instagram. Kara Jean Means on Facebook. And I'm. You know, wanting to go about my next series the same way I did the mental health series where it's not about making expensive paintings that somebody with the money buys and puts on their wall, but it's more about creating an art experience for communities to use. And so I'm really hoping I can find somebody to help support me in this next project because, you know, it could cost a couple thousand dollars, but um, more so I just, I'm a, I'm a more quiet voice, you know, meaning I, like I said, I'm my mom of four out there trying to be, you know, trying to get attention for the work I'm doing 
and it's hard when you don't have a very high platform. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, yeah, I'm looking for people who would be wanting to be my friend. So calling all philanthropists, (laughs) right? Calling all philanthropists. I, you know, back in the day, in the olden days, people had, um, what were they called? Uh, Patrons, wealthy patrons. Artists were paid by a patron who was like, I like the work you're doing. Here's some money. You can live off of me and go do your work because I want to see what you're going to make. And uh, that's not as common these days. I don't think I haven't. I have not it stumbled upon that, a wealthy patron yet. Yeah. But it's something <laughs> that you do hear about a lot in the like early 1900s and 1800s. Yeah. 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 Huh. I've never thought about that. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, it would be great if I could find somebody to just help uh, project me a little fa- further and louder than I can myself at the moment. If you could leave our listeners with one piece of life advice or a motto that you live by, what would it be? Don't get stuck in the mud. Many thanks again to Kara Jean Means for joining us on this episode of the podcast. You can find all the links to connect with her by visiting our website at IamSaltLake.com forward slash 384. Support for I Am Salt Lake comes from KRCL 90.9, amplifying community voices since 1979. This listener-supported music discovery station covers everything from reggae and punk rock to local grassroots activism. Listen today at 90.9 FM or online at krcl.org. And it is weekly recommendation time, that time of the podcast where Chrissy and myself, we give a recommendation, something that we want to recommend to our awesome listeners. That's right. I'm going to go first this time. You always go first. Oh, okay. My weekly recommendation is the downtown farmer's market. Yes, guys, it is that time of the year. Opening day is upcoming, this upcoming weekend, June 8th, if you're listening to this podcast right as it releases, uh, which thank you for listening to to the podcast right when I upload it. Anyway, the Downtown Farmer's Market, Pioneer Park, every Saturday, starting this upcoming Saturday, June 8th, all the way into like October, you guys. So it's 8 to 2, Pioneer Park. It's right in the corner of like 400 and, 4, or 400 and 300 and 300 West, 400 West, right there in downtown uh, Salt Lake City. My favorite time of uh, summers uh, spent at the farmer's market. Oh, yeah. I told my mom. My mom moved here recently, and I told her that I was dragging her to the downtown farmer's market this summer. What did she say? She's like, great. Sounds good. Sign me up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my recommendation this week is Good Omens on Amazon Prime. This is a TV show that was written by Neil Gaiman. And you know, if you're, you know, if you're a longtime listener, you know how much I love Neil Gaiman. Yeah, he's one of your favorite. Oh, um, one of my favorite authors. authors. And then, and David Tennant's in it. And there's even like a nod to David Tennant being a Doctor Who in one of the episodes. And it's just, it's so incredibly beautifully Neil Gaiman. I just, you have to go watch it. It's wonderful. All right. It's the first episode of the month. You guys know what that means. Well, our longtime listeners, you guys know what it means. It's that time of the podcast that we, Give a little love to our Patreon supporters, which you can become a Patreon supporter as well by going to patreon.com slash I am Salt Lake. That is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash I am Salt Lake because we are I am Salt Lake podcast. You can become a Patreon supporter for as little as $1, you guys. This helps keep the lights on. This helps. Maybe we need a new microphone. We just need something to help keep the podcast going. Believe it or not, our Patreon supporters are really helping keep the lights going. So I am going to read down this list, give a little bit of a thank you to uh, John Miller. He's been a longtime supporter of the podcast, so thank you so much, John. And uh, Todd Bjorkland, Tim Haran, 
Wendy Joe Bradshaw, Nicole Davison, Alex Santi, Riley Padilla, Brandon Hill from Mountain Standard Time Marketing, Will Dugdale, Brittany Hemingway, Jeff Hadfield, Michael Beck, Eric Tomorrow from The Mediocre Show, Jeff Hatt, Sana, Alan Martindale, Nick Naylor, Brett Schmidt, Three Irons SLC, Nikki Line, Michelle Stevens-Williams, Dirt in Your Skirt Podcast, Margaret over there, Christopher Heiser, Jay Chambers, and we have a brand new one, actually, as of today, Copeland. That's the name that they go by, Copeland. So many thanks to Copeland for becoming our newest Patreon supporter and all the rest of you, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much uh, for supporting the podcast. Your support means a lot to uh, Chrissy and myself. Again, if you want to become a Patreon supporter, just go to patreon.com slash Lake. Link is at IamSaltLake.com with this episode as well. That's going to do it for this episode. Don't forget to support our show sponsors, Five Wives Vodka, the Salt Lake Barber Company, Energy Healing Conference, and KRCL. We'll have the links for all of them at our website under the notes for this episode, which you can find at IamSaltLake.com. And I do actually have one simple request. Before I let you guys go today, share this episode with one friend, one family member. That's it. Let's get this podcast bigger and better than it's ever been. So every episode of I Am Salt Lake that you listen to, just share it with one friend. Really easy, simple request. And you can always send us letters and packages to P.O. Box 4412, Salt Lake City, Utah, 84110. Hey, you have a great week. Get out and enjoy the city, support local, and we're going to see you next week on the next episode. And good night, Grammy.